Philippians 2 verse 1. Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interests of others. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You for these truths. And help me get out of the way and have Your Spirit and Your Word come to each heart so that we can change constantly. We continually have to be in humility and let You root out the sin in our lives so that we can be more like Christ, so that we can honor and glorify You. For that is what everything is all about. In Jesus' name, Amen? All right, let's be seated. and uh, We'll take right off here into chapter 2 and verse 1. And he starts off with that word, therefore. And after he said to stand firm, strive together, and, and suffer together, here is what that church is to do. Therefore, because of that, if there is any encouragement in Christ, and he says if, and that Greek word probably can be translated better since, since there is any encouragement in Christ, and let's take it up one more level, because would probably even make more sense. Because of the encouragement in Christ and because of the consolation of love, comfort of love, um, that's the word Paul is saying. Because of that. Because of everything you have here. He says there is encouragement in Christ. And there's no doubt about that. We're not questioning that. We have encouragement in Christ. Have you ever had any encouragement in Christ? Yeah, constantly, right? When you think of Him, uh, the Philippians had experienced these things. We've experienced this. So He's saying, hey, listen, because there is this, since there is this encouragement, and, and He's getting to a point, you know, He's stressing the fact, make sure you keep that unity then. Because, and He starts with Christ. Any message that we have, we want to make sure that we have the person of Christ in it. Because that qualifies everything. When we're commanded to do things, we're not commanded to do things on our own because we would fail every time, and we do. But when we think of ourselves in Christ, joined together in Him, now things are possible, aren't they? We can do those those things. Uh, So we've experienced uh, this Encouragement. You know what the word for encouragement is, don't you? I'm sure you do, if you're looking at the, this up here. Paraclesis. Or paraclete. Everybody's heard of paraclete. Everybody's familiar with that word, right? Paraclete. And in case you can say, oh, what do you mean? I'm not so sure I know. Oh, that means to come alongside, to encourage, to come along, the, uh, uh, to encourage, to, to be right there with somebody. The Holy Spirit is called a paraclete. And here he says, if there's any encouragement or paraclesis in Christ, encouragement, he comes alongside. The Holy Spirit comes alongside. Jesus Christ comes alongside, or we're in him. Man, that's a good place to start. Uh, You can't miss it whenever you start thinking and pointing to Christ. When you have problems in your life, or you're wondering what is going on, this is where you always start. And uh, this is where we get our encouragement of being in Christ. We're united to Him. How much? Just only when we're, in, we're filled with Him? No, we're, we're always united to Christ. We're always in Christ. You can't be in Christ and then out of Christ. You are in Him always. And because we're in Christ, we ought to be encouraged to unity and love, shouldn't we? Right? So, any problem. And I want to tell you, I'm going to magnify that. Every one of us. Remember this. Any problem can be solved because of Christ. Did you like that? Now I say that boldly. And I know sometimes it seems like there's impossible situations and I'm telling you because of Christ, He solves any kind of problem because He is much greater 
than anything that we go up against. Right? He can solve it. Man, what a place to start right here in chapter 2. Right? In Christ. In Christ. We have our unity in Him, don't we? And you know what? All over the New Testament, you will repeatedly see that, won't you? Paul says, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Just constantly. Look at the book of Ephesians, right? The book of Orleans. Constantly it's there. This is the highest spiritual motive. The person of Christ. and Who we are in Him. If we realize that kind of encouragement that we have in Christ, all of a sudden, hasn't there been a bullet just shoot up right in your heart right now just for the fact that you know? And it's not because Dennis is saying this. See, that's the thing. I, I, can, I can get behind the Word of God here and let that go out and proceed to start affecting our hearts. You say, that's right. That's right. Why didn't I think of that? In Christ, look at my position. Why would I even want to commit a sin? <laughs> Why would I want to do any sin? Well still going to sin. Why, why do we do it if we would have this as our ultimate point to look at? Look in John 17, verse 20 through 23. And this is the great prayer. And oh, we go to this prayer so often. This is Jesus praying for the apostles and praying for us. And I want to tell you, this is really upbeat, folks. Look at this. Look what He prays for. He's praying for all the believers. He's praying for us 2,000 years later. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, just just these apostles alone, but for those who believe in Me through their Word, that they may all be in one, even as You, Father, are in Me and I in You, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that You sent Me. Man, that's an incredible verse right there. Let's don't do Philippians the rest of the day. Let's just do that verse. I want to camp out there. <laughs> well, can't do that. I'm not prepared. No, we could be. Don't you like that though? To be in the Trinity, so that the world would believe that Christ was sent by God the Father. If we, if the church today was in unity as we should be, and I mean the whole body of Christ, can you imagine the effect that it could have on the world? Do you remember in the early days of the church? What kind of effect did it have? It turned the whole world upside down. Hmm. Convicting, isn't it? The glory which you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, look at the unity there, just as we are one. He wants the church to be in unity as the Trinity is in unity. Oh. Well, the Holy Spirit lives in us. Why can't we? Verse 23. I in them and you in me that they may be perfected in unity so that the world, look at this, may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. That's incredible. This is Jesus praying and you know what? It's going to come true. It is coming true now. It looks weak. It looks brittle. The church is broken. The church is on a broken stage. We're in a broken world. We're all broken, folks. We are. We're broken. It's okay. God is picking up the pieces. It's going to be a perfect church one of these days. And that prayer that Jesus said will come true because He never asked for anything that won't come true. And it is being done right now. And it's being done in each one of you. If you're in Him, it's happening. You may not feel like it. You don't see it. You don't taste it. You don't hear it. Sometimes I wonder, Lord, is anything happening? What's going on? Then I look at that. I I just read that prayer and it just woke me up. Okay. Now, encouragement in Christ. If there's any encouragement in Christ, do you have any encouragement in Christ? Do you have it? Yes, you did. Okay, well, there's one other part. If there's any consolation of love, comfort of love, consolation, comfort, same kind of thought. This is still dealing with Christ here, I think. That's the way that I'm taking it and uh, many of the commentators that, that I read, uh, they take encouragement in Christ and consolation of love. 
That's all in Christ. And then we see if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, and they would put that all with the Holy Spirit. Uh, if there's any differences, that's okay. The same thing, it's saying the same thing all the way through here. What he's doing is mentioning, hey, Jesus Christ is for you, the Holy Spirit is for you, and we know God the Father is, because He's the one who gave us to the Son. Are you guys encouraged? Well, how about some comfort? You want some comfort? And he said, I came for some comfort to church today. I came to be consoled. And we should have that. Right? The word is paramuthion. And not to get too technical here, but it means that word that I just said, comfort. It means the idea of gentleness. Gentle cheering on a counsel that's very tender. This is Jesus, folks. This is the same Jesus who turned over the, the money tables and everything in the temple at one time when he was so angry at religion and all the different hypocrisy that had come and they were, how they were mishandling what they were given there at that temple. He cleansed that temple. He's angry. But here, for his people, he is tender. He is a tender counselor, a gentle cheerer on. Jesus has such loving tenderness. What a motive that He would love us tenderly. Well, you know, we know this. Do you, do you hear anything new here today? No. But I'll tell you what, we again need to be reminded, don't we? Because you have Jesus' encouragement, because you have Christ's love gently that He puts forth to you, we should recognize our relationship with Christ, Jesus, others, yourself. <laughs> doesn't start with self, does it? starts with who? Jesus Christ. Remember your relationship with Christ. I want you guys right now to drink deep from this. What? What would you say? I just now woke up, Dennis. I hadn't heard a thing you said. I bet you just now did. Because I want you to get the first point. You're laughing. I know I've been there before. What's really bad is whenever I'm up here preaching and I don't know what I just said. I hope that not be the case. We have encouragement in Christ. And we have this gentle love from Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not usually preaching a nice lovey-dovey message, am I? But we have to look at Christ this way. And he says, since we have this, because we have of this, you want to be obedient to Him, don't you? And that's how relationships are. Drink deep from that, folks. From the fountain of encouragement and the gentle, comforting love of Jesus Christ. Can you drink deep from that? That fount of what? Of love. We, we sang that earlier this morning, all of us. Oh, fount of love. Drink from Him. Now, that's because of the relationship of Christ that we can live out this life. You can say, how do you live this Christian life? Well, this is a good place to start. Here we go. Think on Christ. Now next, he says, I want you to think on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who lives in you. Now this is simple stuff. You can say, Dennis, I know this. Well, fantastic. Drink deeply from it. If there is any fellowship of the Spirit, or because there is fellowship of the Spirit, and because there is affection and compassion, okay, the next one is our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And that word koinonia doesn't cause any problem with you guys at all, do you? Does it? Koinonia. It's a sharing. It's fellowship. It is having something in common. We have something in common with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit fellowships with us. Have you ever thought of that? The Holy Spirit fellowships or communes with us. He's the source of unity. The Spirit indwells us. The Spirit is the temple. Or, I mean, we are the temple and the Holy Spirit resides in the temple. And that's of the body of Christ, the whole body of Christ, and individually He resides in us. Um, the Spirit seals us. The Spirit empowers us. The Spirit gifts us 
The Spirit fills us. The Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit. The the Spirit enlightens us. The Holy Spirit is interceding for us right now. Man, He does a lot of stuff. Yeah, He's fellowshipping with us. If there's any fellowship of the Spirit. You like that? He's interceding for us. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. For by one Spirit, one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one Spirit. Fellowshipping with Him. We're all placed into Him. Boy, what a resource. If you're still in 1 Corinthians, if you can look in chapter 6, verse 17. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one Spirit with Him. 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. These individual bodies. The church is the body. The individual is the one who had the Holy Spirit reside to. Fellowshipping with Him. Now, the next one is if there's any affection and compassion. We fellowship with the Spirit. Affection and compassion. Um, This word, splankna, deals with the bowels. We, We looked at this word back a few weeks ago. Deep into the recesses of the inner person. This is his feelings, his emotions, the very inner soul, the very part of the person that's called the deeply felt affections. And the Hebrew person would use this as speaking about how they had a relationship with someone who was very near and dear to them. Deeply affectionate. And that's how the Holy Spirit feels about us. Have you ever thought about the Holy Spirit having deep affections with you? That's incredible. I haven't really ever thought that much about it. I know He's there. I know He's interceding. We know that. But I want you to think on that for a moment. He has deep affections for you that nobody else has. And you don't even have it for yourself. Not the way the Holy Spirit does. Man, He really cares. Deeply felt. This corresponds with the kind of love that Christ has for us, doesn't it? He's just reminding you that here's Christ, here's the Holy Spirit. They love you the same. What compassion! I think this is a tremendous motive of how to live the Christian life, don't you guys? I think this is a tremendous motive to stop sinning. To get your mind off yourselves and to look at Him. That is what life is about. It's not about us and our problems. It's about Him and how He cares for us and how He wants to take care of those situations. Man, sympathetically kind He's also to us also. Deeply felt affection. He longs to give us blessings. Look at Romans 8. Oh, 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 Romans 8. You know what? That's one of my favorite chapters. Of course, Romans 9 is pretty good too. Uh, these are jewels. These are the jewels. I mean, these are the diamonds. These are the, the ones that are sparkling out in the sunshine brighter than the noonday sun. You know, Romans 8. Oh, my. In verse 26, what's happening here? We're talking about the Holy Spirit. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. You've ever been weak? <laughs> For we do not know how to pray. Amen. I don't know how to pray as I should. Boy, I'm weak in my prayers. I start off good, and I don't know, a couple of minutes later, I'm off into somewhere else. I, or maybe I'm still in prayer, but I, you know, I started off with something and I meant to pray about that, and my mind is, is going somewhere. You know what? Holy Spirit says, 
okay, Father, he's checked out here, but here's what he said. <laughs> I don't know. We don't know how to pray as we should. We, we know that. We, we confess that. But here's what, we, here's what we have going for us. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. There's no words that can be spoken. This is not some kind of a private prayer language because it's saying words can't even be spoken here. It's too deep for words. It's not some closet language. It's go a little bit, a little bit. There, I said that. What did you say? I don't know, but uh, it makes me closer to the Lord. Well, what did he say? I don't know. Well, he's not saying that. He's saying that their groanings is too deep for words. You ever, have you ever just gone, oh Lord, oh. You ever been that way? You don't even have the words? Holy Spirit says, I'll take over. And He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He intercedes for the saints. And here's the best part. According to the will of God. Now our prayers are always to be according to the will of God. And even sometimes we must confess, I'm not so sure it's about the will of God. So we usually qualify it and say, if it be your will, Lord, because I'm not so sure if this is what your will is or not. So we're not sure, but at least we say, if it be your will. And here we have the Holy Spirit who will always pray for us intercede to come in between us and the Father and ask the right kind of prayer that's always the will of God. Oh, wow. You can't miss with that, folks. Dennis didn't say this. I just read Scripture here, right? Hmm. You know what? The Holy Spirit longs for our good and blessing because it really brings glory to God. That's what it's all about. What a relationship we have with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. What a relationship they have with us. Are you blown away by this? Splunk. Now there's another word in that uh, Philippians passage. I hope this is just making us boil up in the heart and say, yeah, boy, thank you Lord for having a relationship with me. Because that's what Christianity is. It's a relationship with Christ with the Holy Spirit, with the Father. He uses another word here when he says affection and compassion. Oikthermos. Compassion. Sympathetic towards us. Showing pity towards us. Showing mercy towards us. Oh, we are pitiful creatures sometimes, aren't we? We need pity. We need mercy from Him. Every morning. You know what? All of this is based on the goodness of God. We're looking at the attributes of God. Not what we can get out of this, but what He does. Because we're miserable creatures without Him. Absolutely miserable to ourselves. We can be absolutely miserable to others. We can be miserable to the rest of the body of Christ. (laughs) We can be miserable to the outside world and where we work at. Pray that we're not. Don't be afraid of your great God, though. Because He is so kind and so affectionate. We are to look at Him in fear and recognizing that He's a holy God. But He still condescends outside of that realm of holiness that we can't even address and even imagine. He condescends to us. Comes to this earth. Comes into the tabernacle. Comes into this temple and relates to us. And we're to see Him as kind and affectionate and desiring the very best for us. We don't often know what the best is, do we? That's our problem. But as He shows us the Word, the more and more we learn what the best is. We are to be this way to each other. (laughs) Are you seeing what's happening? as the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ is to us with all this compassion and with this kind of love. You know what Paul is really saying? This is what I want you now to do to the rest of the people that's in the church. And I know what you're saying. Oh, Dennis, come on. Most of the people I can really do that with, but you don't know that other... There's two people I really can't get along with. Well, I'm telling you, you've just been addressed. You've been addressed, not by Dennis. 
<laughs> I've been addressed by the Word of God. We are to have that kind of love for each other. You can say, I can't do it. Yeah, you can. You have the Holy Spirit. Won't you start letting Him use you and start going to others and working that unity out because you now have the power. Am I right? It's not about me being right. <laughs> this is what He's asking. This is where He's getting to. This is where we're going. And He say, Dennis, did you pick out Philippians just to be able to convict me every week? <laughs> no. no. I, I, I didn't even really know it really went that way. I knew it was dealing with unity. And, and they had it. This is a good church. But he wants them to be better. Okay. I like this next part. (laughs) Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, make my joy complete. Make my joy complete. You have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And because of the relationship of Paul... Paul relating to the Philippians. Paul spoke to the Philippians as a pastor in that he loved them so much, had so much concern. You know what? Paul had joy. He had the joy already. Paul is where? In jail. Maybe he could be killed. Philippians are worried about him. He's not. Just get that gospel out there, folks. <laughs> Further the kingdom. That's what it's about. Uh, Ryan said uh, this week on Wednesday, it really sums up your life. I'll give you two words, right? Or two key words. Be discipled <coughs> and disciple. Be discipled and disciple others. That's your life. Are you doing it? You're being discipled by the Word of God. And then you, what have been given, you give it out. You disciple others. That's what we're responsible for. That's what the church is about. And when we're doing that, we're going to be a healthy church. We'll be healthy individuals spiritually. We'll be healthy as a church. Paul says, I want my joy that I already have and I want you to have. I want more joy. Matter of fact, I want it to fill up to the top. To be overflowing. I want it to be topped off. You ever heard of that? that back in the 70s, oh, they were topping off their tanks. Remember that, Bob? Debbie? Topping off the tanks? Topping off at the gasoline station? They were filling up all the way to the brim until it, even, it would even overflow off out of their, their cars. Paul says, I want so much joy. I want it to be complete. I want it to be overflowing. To be overfilled. I want more joy, Paul says. He wanted to be topped off. Hey, Paul says, you want to make, you want to make me happy? Have a great unity. Maintain that unity and I'll be joyful. You want to make your pastor happy? You want to you know how to make, make him happy? Right here. This is how. You want to make your pastor rejoice? Be in unity. Work together as one. I can understand why Paul said this. I can relate to this. Because if there's not unity, there's not happiness, and the pastor sure isn't happy. He says, this is how I can be happy. This is how I can be joyful. When true unity is working in the church, it tops off the joy. It just overflows. The joy is full. It's complete. doesn't matter what's happening out in the world. Around your life, man, when there is that kind of joy, He says, this is great. Joy. Look at Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13. Verse 17. Obey your leaders. <laughs> Submit to them. Why? For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let there not be many teachers. Wow. I understand why that was said. Because every time the Word of God is opened up 
and somebody has leadership in giving that word out, leading worship, help lead worship, all those things, they are held accountable for what is given out from the Word of God. Pastors and certain leaders in the church have an account to give to God one day. That really is humbling. Uh, It's very convicting. Because when you are in a position where you are accountable for souls, it makes you really wonder, do I want to be a part of this? The responsibility is incredible. Whether it be five people, one person, ten people, twenty people, thirty people, a hundred people, a thousand people. Wow. That is something. To keep watch over their souls, to be praying for them because there's going to be given an account of how they were edified, if they were edified or not. Were they given the Word of God faithfully or not? That's convicting to me. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me and it's a safeguard for you. And he does tell them, hey, watch out for the Judaizers. Beware of the dogs. So there is a false teaching warning in here. There can be those guys coming in. Watch out. That Paul's saying, rejoice. Hey, I'm telling you again here. You know, finally, rejoice. And he's going to say it again. You know, that's the key word of, of this book. He really makes that impressive. Look in chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice! Exclamation point. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. Paul wanted to rejoice and he wants them to rejoice right along with him. A constant rejoicing. This is relating with the Spirit and the Son, the Father, and relating with each other in the church and with the pastor. 5.12, it says, But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. Did you just see that? Paul said here in Thessalonians what he just said to the Philippians, only in just different words. But he's saying, hey, uh, they they labor over you, but uh, live in peace with one another. We urge you uh, to do that. Wow, the unity there that he wanted for the Thessalonians to have. So they'd have joy too. So Paul pleads for it. It brings him great joy. He wants them to have her joy. He says, I know you're concerned for me, but I want you to know here's where I'm at and I don't care. And I don't even care whether I live, whether I die, to go be, be with the Lord. That would be fantastic, but I'll stay on here for your sake. I'll give up my fellowship with Christ that I have with Him face to face in order that I can keep continuing to give you the Word of God that you can be blessed and, and I'll have joy out of that. Wow. I want to hear. Here's what I want to hear. I want to hear you in a unity. That's so good. Alright, guys, we've just finished part one. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> we, can, we can do part two at least, can't we? <laughs> what unity is? What's it made up of? What's the very nature of unity? Well, we get back to Philippians and we'll see what it says here in our little text that we have. Make my joy complete, here we go, by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. There's four parts to this. Okay, at least in this text, how can we define what unity is? How can we say, okay, here's the nature of unity. Because a lot of people say, we need to get together. <laughs> we, all the churches just need to get together and, and have a festival. Well, okay. United as one. Well, that is biblical. But we are to be united, not even because of music, which we like so much, but we're to be united because of the Word of God. To be united by the very Spirit of God, right? How do we do that? We think alike. 
What does he say here in verse uh, verse 3? Make my joy be complete. How? By being of the same mind. The word is phroneo. That's the root word. Which is thinking. Thinking. The mind. Using the mind. Is that making sense? If we could think alike. Same mind. Can you imagine... Can you imagine us, all of us, thinking the same way? Now, obviously, everybody has their own little thoughts going through, but I'm just thinking the same way that it is in this body of truth, this Word of God. Well, I think as a whole, we pretty well are there. I I think we're not that far away from that. I, I really believe that from the whole mindset of us when we talk together. You know, we're... We're all coming, we're at different uh, stages in our growth. And some of us uh, maybe not know all the same things as another because of years of study and such. But we're in this thing together. We're agreeing on the same things. And as we don't, it says in Ephesians 4 that we're we're gifted with certain uh, people and certain gifts so that we could edify each other. So we can be built up. We can be equipped that we would all be uh, agreeing to ultimately when Christ comes back we'll be in agreement on everything. <laughs> I mean, that's what we're shooting for. That will happen. But it's ha- it needs to have the same attitude, the same mindset that everybody else has in the church. It's having the same kind of concerns, the same kind of understanding. You know why the reason, you know what the reason is why people have conflicts? When you talk about relationships, relationship in the body of Christ, let's say. why do they have conflicts? I think you can look at it right here. The reason why is that they don't have the same kind of understanding. They don't have the same kind of attitude. Their attitude is going to, and as we progress further, the attitude is going to be about self. This is really what this message is about. We have to die to self here. Our attitudes have to be alike. Our attitudes have to be in harmony. Our thinking has to be on the same wavelength. As we think is going to be the way we are. If we think liberal thoughts, we're going to be liberal. If we think legalistic thoughts, we're going to be legalistic. I'm going to catch that focus down the middle. That is the right and narrow way. Look in 1 Corinthians 1.10. So much. We don't throw away doctrine when we deal with unity. Oh, let's just all get together. Right? No, it's not about that. Just getting together for the sake of being together. But it's because our minds are thinking alike. How can you think alike? Well, it's because of the instruction book. 1.10 Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. That is what Paul wanted. Was it happening in the Corinthian church? <laughs> no. You get nothing but one problem after another there in Corinth. Romans 12.3 Thinking having the same kind of mindset and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm a little different than everybody else and I have my own thoughts about that. and I don't, I don't really ever talk about that. You know, just as long as we, we get together and we're, have, we're just good friends, you know, and love each other. Can't we all get together? <laughs> Can we just all love each other? 12-3. What is it built upon? Did I say 12-3? For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, good discernment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. He allots that to you. We ought to be thinking on the same wavelength. Wow. Romans 15, verse 5. Look what Paul says about thinking. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. That sounds like Paul again, doesn't it? Sounds like Philippians. 
He gives you perseverance. He gives you encouragement. Now that God may grant you of the same thinking, the same mind. 1 Corinthians 2.16 I'm giving you all these verses so you can say, Dennis, I think you're just saying this. This this just can't be right. We can't be thinking the same thing. We're all different and we should be thinking differently. Oh, no. No, no, no. We should have the same mindset. Look in 1 Corinthians 2.16 For who has known the mind of the Lord that He will instruct Him? But we have the mind of Christ. You're not going to make bad judgments when you use the mind of Christ. Wow. We start thinking that way. If we start thinking like Christ, what could happen? Ooh, that's powerful. Second Corinthians thirteen eleven. I'm trying to press a point of point to you. Is this making sense? Look at all these same verses. I'm just telling you, it's everywhere here. Second Corinthians thirteen eleven. Finally, brethren, oh, he tells the Corinthians to rejoice too. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Be made complete. Be comforted. Be like-minded. When you're like-minded, what's the next thing he says? Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Hey, listen, if you are thinking alike and you're like-minded, then you're going to live in peace. And when you're living in peace, then the God of love is going to bless that and you're going to have peace that you're going to have in your own life and say, I don't have any peace lately. For the longest time, I've not had peace. Well, that's a pretty good place right there. If you're thinking like Christ is and you're thinking like the rest of the body is, wow, look at that. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Wow, I need to give up all these verses and go to the next point. But I can't help it. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. Don't be obsessed with these earthly things. Where do you put your mind at? On Christ. Verse 1 says where Christ is, He's seated at the right hand of God. And where are you at? Well, you are in Christ. Where's Christ at? Christ is in you. Holy Spirit is in you. He's walking alongside you. Think in the heavenlies. Think Christ-like thoughts. And He says, set your mind there. And He says, you've died already. Your life is hidden with God in Christ. And when Christ who is our life is revealed, then you also will be revealed in Him in glory. That gives us a great hope. Oh, wow. Think on those kind of things. If you think what Jesus thinks, if you think what the Spirit thinks and intercedes for you, do you know what's going to happen? The kingdom of God is going to be furthered. Do you know what's going to happen with the church? The church is going to have growing pains because people are going to be amazed by the kind of unity and love that you have that they too want to see what you have and they too might like to have that too. That's how it works, the furtherance of the kingdom. How do we do this? We be filled with the Spirit... And that means as you be filled with the Spirit in Colossians, it says to be, or Ephesians, be filled with the Spirit, right? Colossians says to be filled with the Word of God which richly dwells within you. If you're filled with the Spirit of God and the Word of God, wow, you understand what unity is. Okay, that's one. Thinking alike. Uh, the next word here in Philippians, we have to move on here. Okay. Um, being of the same mind, maintaining the same love. I think that's pretty easy. If you have the same mind, then you're going to maintain the same love. If you have the same mind, you have the Christ and the Spirit who loves you. The result of that is that the flowing will overflow to your other brothers and sisters in Christ because His love will want to go to everybody. If any uh, attitudes collide, then the love will not be manifested. Love each other equally. Maintaining the same love. What's the next one? The third one. United in spirit. Sum sukosis. Sum is dealing with one. One sold is about as literal as we can get this. United in spirit. The word is suke there. It's soul. One souled. S-O-U-L-E-D. A driving compassion for the edifying of the church. Not picking it apart. But to edify. You're going to see all sorts of things wrong with people. 
That's the easiest place to go to, and I'll get to that in a moment. That's the easiest. And that's the last place you want to go. To edify the church is to have so much passion for the glory of God. When you have the main goal, which is the glory of God, then you will desire to edify people in the church. And you will set yourself aside no matter what you think or want to think about. And you see God as supreme. And that's when things happen. United in spirit. One soul. You ever heard of uh, the soul brothers? Remember that? Are people who uh, have the same kind of soul? They'll say, well, that's, that's the idea here. That's what the churches have. That's what the individuals are to have. One purpose. And you know what? Um, it kind of sums us all up again. And when we get to the next part, we're only going to have a few minutes and it's really going to be saying the same thing. Kind of a flip side, saying a lot of the same thing. And this word here is using the word phroneo again. And what is that? It's dealing with mind again. The glorious same purpose, the same eternal purpose. We're to be advancing the kingdom of God for the glory of God. The church is here to worship God and then it's also to what? Disciple others. Okay. We're going to sum this all up. Are you ready now? We've done two verses. Now the next two verses we're going to take in the next couple of minutes or so and sum this all up and we'll be done. You ready? Take a deep breath. Verses 3 and 4. What we've just seen, this is really simple. And this whole thing has been simple, hasn't it? But it's just a reminder. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. That's hard. That's tough. And I want to tell you right now, it's impossible. No human can do this. It cannot be done without the person of Christ. Because the nature of man is bent on self. And here he's saying, don't do anything of your own selves. Or your own personal interest. Oh, you know what? We have been selfish people before we came to Christ. And you know what? The problem is, is we're still selfishness. The selfishness is still something we battle with because of ourselves. Our flesh is here. It's natural. It's a battle. It's a war. And we lose a lot of battles right here. This is where it's at. Take this home. Selfishness is the opposite of humility. It's not natural to be humble. You heard about the pastor who was awarded a badge for being so humble. And the next week, that badge that the deacons gave him the week before was stripped from him because he wore it the next Sunday. <laughs> it's so fleeting, folks. This is where it's really I say, man, I don't know if I even belong in church. All of a sudden I'm looking at this and I, I, I failed, man. I, I'm thinking by myself a lot. Matter of fact, I'll be honest with you, I'm thinking about myself all the time. Yeah, join the crowd. Join the club. We battle. Join the army. We're, we're warring against that. Sometimes we'll win. Sometimes we, we lose some battles. You know what? We are never to act out of selfish ambition. Nobody likes it when someone puts his own self-interest above what the goal is, the purpose is. Everybody detects that when other people do it. problem is, we don't detect it whenever we do it. This term here, uh, do nothing from selfishness, is dealing with self-promotion. Our own purpose is what our goal is. That's what we try to accomplish. This doesn't fit in with the church at all. It's ugly. It'll rip a church apart. It can even mean to push somebody down so you can get up there to the top. It's establishing your own turf. It's done in the business world all the time. And that's how you get somewhere. 
It's done on those, uh, what do they call it, reality TV shows? All those, all those things, you know, they deal with. It's, somebody is trying to get on top of the other, and they don't care who they munch down. Matter of fact, it gets worse and worse. Seen some of the things they do, some of the things they say. Wow. Dog eat dog. That sums it up, doesn't it? He says, that's not the way it works. Their own agendas. That is the opposite from the way the church does. Number two, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit. Being humble in mind. What? Regarding one another as more important than selves. Well, we're to see others as superior. Do nothing from empty conceit uh, with humility of mind. The word is kenodoxia. Kenos is empty. Doxia is glory. And what do you have? Kenos, empty glory or vain glory. There's nothing there. The, a, a natural man thinks of himself as supreme. He's conceited without a reason. It's all fluff. There's nothing there to be conceited about. He has a higher opinion of himself than anybody else. And don't we kind of be that way sometimes? We have a higher opinion than the, than the guy right there. Uh, we never see people as above us. Or maybe we do, but we, we treat... We want to be treated as supreme. We want to be the top dog here. Humility is the key to erasing all this. Humility is not thought of as a virtue in the Greek society when Paul wrote this. Matter of fact, did you know that that was the opposite? They didn't have a word for that. That was despicable to be humbled, to have humility. And Paul has to use a different word here for this. And it's almost like a made-up word. almost Tapenos. And that's really a word that they used for a slave. A slave was regarded as being low and useless. And he says, I want you to be humble. Uh, the Romans think of it as being low and useless. We think of it as a virtue. To be a Christian, to be humble, is one of the greatest virtues you can have, isn't it? Because that's what it's... You know where we're pointing to? Starting in verse 5, don't you? Starting in next week. The great, great discussion and doctrine of the humility of Christ. The emptying of Christ. Yeah. That's who you look at. Think of yourself as low. That's opposite the way the world tells you. The world has always been telling you something different. And Jesus is saying, I'm telling you, when you join me and you follow me, you're going to get low. You're going to forget yourself. You're going to deny yourself. You're going to take up the cross. You're going to follow me. Hey, if I think about criticizing others... I really need, and here's, here's what I want you to catch here, I really need to start with myself. I don't get much further after that. We need to start criticizing ourselves. If we have something to criticize, if we do this, if we look at our bad points, we can just go on and on. And I'm not saying to be self-pitying, self-loathing. You can start pointing your energy then to the good that others do have. When we start realizing that we're nothing without Christ, did you know that that starts leaving room for God and His power? And that person over there who seems totally useless and ridiculous, and, uh, hey, God has a lot of room there to show off His glory in that person. If, if we were to think about our own sin and look at the bad things in our own lives and not the bad things about others, we would never have enough time to think lowly of anybody else. <laughs> you want to know why? That's scriptural. You remember when Paul said, I am the chief of sinners. You know who the worst sinner is? It's not that person over there. It's not that person over there. It's not that person over there. Not that person over there. We're sinners, me. If we were to answer that the way Paul did, we would say, I am the chief of sinners. If we would confess our sins and be sensitive to it, we would have to see others as more higher than ourselves. That's what he has just said in Philippians. And he said, I, I can't do that. You mean to put somebody above myself? Yeah. Because we can't know what's in their hearts. 
We know what's in our hearts. We know some of our sins. We know some of those personal sins that we'll never let anybody else into. You know what I'm talking about? We know because we can see into our heart and then we can let the Holy Spirit come in there and convict us of even more. So how can I begin with that other person over here when I can't get into his heart? Oh, the Holy Spirit does that. How could Paul say he was the worst sinner? It was from his own personal knowledge of himself. Why did he say he was the chief of sinners? He say, oh, he's just saying that because I'm worse than him and everybody else was too. No, Paul knew what he had to battle with. <laughs> Do you ever see him really criticizing others? Except for false teaching, of course. Not looking out for our own interest. Don't regard as your aim or your goal or your purpose in life is to take care of your own personal enterprises. Take care of yourself. You know, get up in the morning. Yeah, put your clothes on. Put nice clothes, whatever. Comb your hair, you know. Be presentable. Yeah, we take care of ourselves. We're supposed to do that. That's natural. That's okay. That's good. But he's saying, when you come into communication with other people, recognize that they are very important because they were created by God. And you say, yeah, but you don't know how they... You don't know them. Listen, God does. If you can be passionately involved in the causes of others, and I know what I'm asking is something that is beyond natural. This is supernatural. We should not be consumed with our own things when we're dealing with other people because their things are more important than our things. The interests of others, we're all on the same team. We're not in competition with each other at all. Each part of the body is good for the good of the others. Think of others. Think of their gifts. Think of their abilities. Think of their talents. Think of their qualities. Think of their strengths. Don't be thinking of, oh, they do this and they do that and they don't do this and they don't do that. Think of the accomplishments that God is working through them. See that they were created by God. You didn't create them or they didn't create themselves and look how despicable they are. It seems like they're despicable. But God created them. Created them to be in the body. I can't... They're unique. And they're there to advance the kingdom. And you're to help them to advance the kingdom. Be consumed with the other interest. I want to tell you folks, that's a high standard. It's called conforming to Christ. Hmm. I want to tell you something that John MacArthur wrote. Just a paragraph and we're done. We should be done over an hour here. I'm sorry. Actually, 57 minutes, but I only turned it on after the introduction. It's going to look good. You guys ready? I think this was quite a concern that MacArthur had. I am deeply concerned about the church because I believe that our society, the culture in which we live, has created monsters, selfish, self-indulgent, egotistical, introverted, consumptive, materialistic people who can think only of their own things. And the spillover of this is literally devastating the churches. We are hostile. We are angry. We have had so much of this do-your-own-thing philosophy embedded so deeply into us that we know very little of what it is to seek oneness and to give ourselves away for one another. And the legacy of this warped, pagan, godless culture is to produce monsters of self-indulgence. It's very difficult to stay separated from that. And the threat that it is to the church is frightening. Frightening. For one heartbeat away from unity being destroyed. Because the enemy can use that and uproot a church. You can be in great harmony and like that. That's why Paul keeps saying all these things that we already know. Maintain the unity. And we've seen how we're to do it. We've seen how we define it. This is why we have scriptures that we look at today that's just before us. The Word confronts the world. We're in such danger because of the culture that we have been in. We're so selfish and self-indulgent and egotistical. Because that's what we have learned in our society. That's what it's about. It's always been that way, but in our society even more. The Word confronts the world. Isn't this opposite of what the world is saying to us? 
It says the opposite of what society says, what culture says. And it gives the remedy. We've just seen in four verses the remedy of such selfish desires that we all have. And it can be a disease. May we learn better to live for Christ and for the interest of others. And as we will continue on next week, we will see the epitome of humility, the person of Jesus Christ. And because of that, we have no excuse. And we have a love of Christ and His comfort. We have a love of the Holy Spirit and the paraclete. And we have this joy. Let's maintain our unity. Father, we thank You. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your truth. Thank You for Your Holy Spirit who empowers us and enlightens us that we can take this Word of God and not just have it go through one ear and out the other but actually use this and to be able to put it to others to show that we care more for them than even ourselves as Paul has already demonstrated in his concern for them as he was in jail. And yet he had joy and he wanted even more joy and he got it because of his love for these people. Thank you, Lord. We know that this confronts the very nature of man and the whole society. But if a lost person could see this kind of stuff that's put into us by the Spirit, it can definitely change some. Help us change the world that we're around because we care for the lost. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.